Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the Justin Peters program. I am the Justin Peters of the North, also known as Jim Osmond, and I'm joined today by Justin Peters of the South, also known as Justin Peters. And I'm distinguished by my fondness for grits that I have almost every night that my wife from Montana, the North, makes me. So we hope you're doing well. Uh, this is part two of a, of a review that we're doing on the book Experiencing God. We get a bit sidetracked with the last one because uh, you get handed over to Justin. He starts to ramble. So we weren't able to get through all the material of Experiencing God. But this is a book by Henry Blackaby. Uh, came out in the early 90s, uh, mid-90s, something like that, and uh, did, a, did a tremendous amount uh, toward uh, making, mainstreaming the idea uh, that God speaks to us outside of Scripture. So uh, last yesterday we talked about uh, sort of the premise of the book, and we're just continuing today with our theological critique of this book and this idea. Um, Justin, you said you've read the book uh, some years ago. Yeah, I have. I've um, actually I, I say this to my own shame, but I actually led two classes in it back when I was in college, and and one even converted at the time, which kind of explains some things. But, um, but explains yeah. why you didn't hear God speak. It explains why I didn't hear God speak, <laughs> right? Because now you're here and talk to me all the time on the on the bat phone. <laughs> so, uh, uh, um, oh, I forgot his name. Uh, Blackaby. Blackaby. My goodness, I was thinking Eldridge for some reason, but he's a He's a wingding of an entirely well, he, different, yeah, he, entirely different uh, breed. Yeah. Uh, Blackaby, in his book, um, continually presents to us the the pattern we find in John five, where Jesus supposedly looks to see where the Father is working and then joins the Father. And the premise of the book is that God needs to reveal to us, outside of Scripture, where He's currently working through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, the Holy Spirit, and the Church, though not in that order. Um, through those five means, uh, that is how we can hear God speak to us today, and God gives us direction as to where we should be uh, working and serving Him, and uh, and how we ought to be hearing Him. Now, one of the things that he says in a summary to chapter 10, uh, he, he continually presents to us a method or a formula for hearing God work, or hearing God speak and joining Him in His work, and then he continually says there is no method or formula for hearing God speak and joining Him in His work. So, for instance, Blackaby says, quote, I'll toss this uh, quote out to you, and you do what this says you see fit. Okay. Quote, God has always been speaking to his people. Today he speaks by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will use the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and other believers to speak to you. The method, however, is not the key to knowing God's voice. You learn to know the voice of God through an intimate love relationship that he has initiated. God may choose to speak to you in a way that is unique to you. You can be assured, though, that he will be able to convince you that you have heard a word from him. End quote. Right, so we not only need to, God can choose to speak to you in a way that is unique to you. So that could be, well, to to quote you, uh, you said one time, uh, you said God could speak to me through a leprechaun in my refrigerator <laughs> if he wanted to, but I've got no reasons to think that he will and an awful lot of reasons to think that he won't. Uh, so, but this individual, you know, it almost kind of plays into kind of this individual, rugged individualism that has bled over into uh, uh, our, our theology in some un unhealthy ways that God will speak to you uniquely. You have to learn your own method of hearing God speak to you. He'll speak to you maybe in a way that he won't speak to uh, Billy Bob down the road. Uh, and, and this is just farcical. The, the Bible the Bible never teaches such a notion. 
God is not, you would think, Jim, if that hearing the voice of God was so important, as Blackaby says, if you are in, if you have trouble hearing God speak, you're in trouble at the heart of your Christian experience. Mm-hmm. If it was so important, then somewhere in, say, oh, I don't know, say the epistles, somewhere in what Paul wrote, uh, all of his letters to the churches, some, something in Peter's writing, something from first or second, third John, some, somewhere in there, uh, James, or there would be some instructions. Hey guys, uh, you've got a church there. It's been going for a few years now. Um, by the way, you really need to learn how to hear God speak to you. Here's how you do it. You would think if, if it's that important, there would be some instructions somewhere in the Bible to tell us how to do this. Mm-hmm. But apparently God left that out. And so now we've got to fall back for a, we've got to go to Blackaby and Morris and, and all these others to, to get these instructions. Yeah. And of course, Blackaby would argue that his, his process for hearing the voice of God is, is straight out of scripture. Um, that that is the method. In fact, we'll get to that just a second. The, the, uh, this is the formula, but there is no formula. That's the constant thing in, in right. the book. Back and forth you go between those two things. Because um, he says the correct. He says in chapter 10, a correct formula is not the way to hear God's voice either. As if there's one template that we have to follow when listening to God speak. Um, Blackway also says this, quote, Some people have a tendency to open their Bibles, pick out a verse that they want to use, and claim that they have a word from God for their circumstance. <laughs> you may ask... Can I get a word from God from the Bible? Yes, you can. But only the Holy Spirit of God can reveal to you which truth of Scripture is a word from God in a particular circumstance. Even if the circumstance is similar to yours, only God can reveal his word for your circumstance. Close quote. So, so basically what he's saying is, is you need to ask the question, what does this verse mean to me? Yeah. Well, only, God can, only God can apply a passage of Scripture to your particular circumstance. Right. So, for instance... Um, uh, you had it up here on the screen just a second ago. He had a, his daughter was sick. Yeah. And he was reading through John chapter 11 and he came across the passage that says this sickness where Jesus says this sickness is not unto death. Right. And he claimed that as his, as God's promise to him. So he said, he, he would argue, he for argued his... in his book that that passage was God's word for that circumstance. Then you have right. heard God speak to your circumstance there right. in the pages of Scripture. Right. What does this verse mean to you? Uh, and, and he cites, as you said, he cites John 11. His daughter, Carrie, uh, had cancer, apparently, at the time. And he says, you know, this is a direct quote, page 119 to 120 in Experiencing God. I have it here in front of me. Earlier I told you about our daughter, Carrie's bout with cancer. As we prayed, a Scripture promise came that we believe was from God. Well, the scripture he's about to cite, for one thing, was not a promise. But anyway, he says, The verse reads, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. John eleven four. After three months of treatments, all the tests were negative. So he's doing exactly what he says. He he comes across a verse of scripture, and he decides that they, he's going to claim that verse as his for himself, and he reads him. He eisegetes himself into scripture. Narsegetes, narsegetes, and narsegesis. Reading yourself into scripture, uh, and he claims that as his, for himself, like people do with Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I'm going to make that yeah. my life first. Well, there's three problems with that. Number one, John eleven is not a promise; it's descriptive, not prescriptive. In other words, it's describing an event. So what Jesus said about one particular event, right? It's recording it, but it's not prescribing this to make a blanket application to yourself. You can't do that. That's bad hermeneutics. 
Uh, so it's not a promise. This, Otherwise, this, no sickness would end in death. Otherwise, no sickness would end in death. Exactly. If it were a promise. It's nonsensical. And I tell people, a little common sense goes a long way right. in clearing a lot of this stuff up. But, but, this, but this verse becomes God's word to him in that circumstance. Right. Because he felt that it was. Yeah, so he claimed he felt it. that it was. He felt that it applied. And yet he he warns us at the beginning of that quote I just gave you. Some people have a tendency to open their Bible, pick out a verse that they want to use, and claim that they have a word from God for the circumstances. I don't know how that is any different than what he just did. It's exactly exactly right. What he says you shouldn't do, he just did himself. Yeah. He's doing the same thing. There's no difference. But but his his argument would be that the Holy Spirit impressed this upon his heart that this is a word for circumstances. Therefore, John eleven four becomes the word of God. To me, in my circumstance, a right. word for our circumstance, right. as if a word for our circumstance can be can mean something different than what the word in its context means. Right. Now, every verse in the Bible only has one meaning. Correct. It has one meaning. Now, it may have different applications. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean? It means to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. How can you apply that? Any number of different ways you can apply it. Yeah. But it's only got one meaning. John eleven four only has one meaning, and it has nothing to do with Carrie Blackaby. It, it's talking about Lazarus, not Carrie Blackaby. Uh, this is descriptive rather than, it's not a promise. And Lazarus died. You know, I mean, Jesus raised him back to life, mm-hmm. but he did die. Right. So if he's going to apply John eleven four to Carrie Blackaby, then we would have to say, well, Carrie Blackaby died of cancer. And then I guess God raised her, <laughs> raised her up four days later after she Four days in the tomb and stinketh. You yeah, know, I mean it's 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 nonsensical. Okay, he also says this, and this is maybe a warning that you can agree with. He says you also need to be quote you also need to be very careful about claiming you have a word from God. Claiming to have a word from God is serious business. If you have not been given a word from God yet, you say you have, you stand in judgment as a false prophet. And he cites Deuteronomy eighteen twenty one to twenty two. Quote, in the Old Testament law, the penalty for a false prophet was death, Deuteronomy 18.20. That certainly is a very serious charge. Do not take a word from God lightly, close quote. Can you agree with that? I can agree with that. <laughs> At face value, I can agree with that. And I, I just stand to make you reading that. It's been so long since I've... But yeah, I, it's like having PTSD. This stuff is kind of coming back to me. It, it, <laughs> traumatizing you all over traumatizing again? Traumatizing me all over again. It, it is amazing that he would make a statement like that, which on at face value, is a true statement. And then he goes and he does the very thing that that mm-hmm. passage says don't do. It's like pot calling the kettle black there. I mean, you, it, you and I can tell from the context that John eleven four, for instance, was not the word of God to him in the right. way he took it. Right. So he therefore stands in judgment of being a false prophet. Exactly. All right, Blackaby writes this. Of course, he abuses John 10 consistently throughout. Blackaby writes this, quote, We know God and... We know God can speak in unique ways to individuals. His people will hear and recognize his voice. Close quote. Another quotation. The Bible describes God's complete revelation of himself to humanity. It is a record of God's dealings with humanity and his words to them. God speaks to you through the Bible. Have you ever been reading the Bible when suddenly you are gripped with a fresh new understanding of the passage? That was God speaking. Close quote. In and of itself... Yes. Uh, now that we would, we should probably make a distinction between revelation and illumination. Mm-hmm. Revelation is the revealing of new information that is not already recorded in Scripture. That's not happening anymore today. Henry Blackaby thinks it is. Others think, but it's not. Uh, revelation doesn't happen. So when you hear somebody say, "Well, I got revelation on this," well, no, you didn't. What may have happened is you got illumination. 
God, the Holy Spirit illuminating the meaning, the one meaning of a text, and helping you to understand the meaning of that particular passage. That is illumination that should be happening today. But uh, revelation is not. Okay, so he, he says this. The Bible describes God's complete revelation of himself to humanity. Now, the discerning listener will be able to pick something out there. The Bible describes God's complete revelation of himself to humanity. You and I would argue that God's, the Bible is God's complete revelation of himself to humanity. Not that right. the Bible describes, describes this. It. See, there's a difference between describing something and something being that thing. Yes. He's saying that the Bible describes God's revelation of himself. Right. And we would say the Bible is God's revelation of himself. That's right. It is the fullest and greatest revelation of himself. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, folks, if you're listening, I, I want you to recognize what Blackaby has done with that statement. And I, I've read the similar statement in Frequency. I've read the similar statement in Hearing God by Dallas Willard. Their view of Scripture is unorthodox and it is very small. This is, this is kind of a, a record of how God did things in the past rather than viewing it as the very word of God itself. Right. For Blackaby, then, he goes on to say, it is a record of God's dealings with humanity and his words to them. It is a record of them. Right. Mm -hmm. It is not God's dealings with humanity and God's word to them. It's a record of God's word to them. Right. Insufficiency of Scripture. Yeah, that, is, that, is a, that is a difference. It's, it's a difference that is more than just a distinction without a difference. It is a distinction that is a, tra tragedy, a, a, a big difference between those two things. And he says to you, God speaks to you through the Bible. Have you ever been reading the Bible when suddenly you're gripped by a new, fresh understanding of the passage? That was God speaking. Okay, question. What if I'm reading the Bible and I'm not gripped by a new, fresh understanding of the passage? Is that still God speaking to me? Yeah. It uh, is. Right. Even if I'm not blown away. According this, to this morning I read the second half of Ezra, the book of Ezra. And there's a lot of lists of names, people being given gold and how many pounds of gold went into the temple. And Ezra's going back to reform the people, list of people who made a covenant with God not to marry foreign wives. There's a list of names there. I, reading through the book of Ezra, I was not struck by some new, fresh understanding of the passage. I didn't, I didn't see any pattern in the names that stood out to me. I didn't get a personal revelation. I'm supposed to name my next dog Mahezabel or something like that. <laughs> Yet, that was still God speaking to me. Even mm -hmm. though it didn't grip me with some new fresh understanding that, that lighted my heart up a fire, I still read five chapters of God's word today. And God spoke to you. And God spoke to me through that passage of scripture. Absolutely. Yeah, and, but it's not anything outside the scripture. I'm learning, I'm hearing the word of God as I'm reading the passage of scripture. That is the word of God, not just when it comes alive, because that's kind of a like a neo-Orthodox perspective of inspiration in scripture. The, the, the Bible is just words until it comes alive to me. Then that's God speaking to me. Right. That's right. All right. <clears throat> Um, so after telling us in the book, 15 ways from Sunday, that hearing the voice of God is not about a pattern or a, or a, or a list of do's to don'ts or, or a, some sort of a formula, he says this, quote, when the Holy Spirit reveals a spiritual truth from the word of God, he is personally relating to your life. That an encounter, that is an encounter with God. The sequence is this, after 15 times, I don't know, not 15, but a number yeah. of times throughout the book, he has told us there's no pattern, there's no formula, there's no method, there's none of that, right? It's not about the formula. Here's, Here's the, the formula. formula. <laughs> the sequence is this. Number one, you read the Word of God, the Bible. Number two, the Spirit of Truth takes the Word of God and reveals truth. Number three, you adjust your life to the truth of God. Number four, you obey Him. Number five, God works in and through you to accomplish His purposes. The Spirit uses the Word of God to reveal God's, God and His purposes. The Spirit uses the Word of God to instruct us in the ways of God. And then he says, quote, you may want to follow the same process as God reveals truth to you. So... No formula. Here's the formula. Here's the formula. All right. So th that's that's part of the. And I I don't for the life of me understand why it is that he 
he does that, why he has to constantly say this is no formula. I, it, to me, it's almost as if it's almost as if he's so uncertain of his own formula that he has to remind you that it's not about the formula, just in case the formula doesn't work, right? What if you follow his formula and you end up doing stup- something stupid or tragic or losing right. your life savings or something? You, right. you think you hear God say, sell your house and give the money to Kootenai Community Church's building fund. God reveals this to you. You step out in faith and do it, and suddenly you realize that, I got medical bills and a wife to feed and children to care for and a college fund I should have been funding and I gave all the money away and, and then you blame hearing God and then you blame Henry Blackaby because he gave you the formula. It's almost as if this is his out, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, what I'm saying to you, if it doesn't work out, hey, I told you all along, it wasn't about this formula. Right, exactly. I know, right. it, it, you know, this is, this is really a, this is spiritual abuse. Uh, how, many, how many people's lives have been all but destroyed because someone, well-meaning or otherwise, doesn't matter, but someone comes up and says, God spoke to me, and he told me to tell you, you need to do such and such. How many men have gone into the ministry, gone to seminary, because someone told them, mm-hmm. uh, God told me that you're supposed to be a preacher? Right. Oh, okay. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and, and yet they weren't equipped or qualified to be a preacher. Exactly. I mean, on and on and on. Right. I mean, the the, the devastation left in the wake of this kind of errant, aberrant, unbiblical teaching is, uh, it's incalculable. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? And I say this with all respect and all reverence. Only God knows how many, how many lives have been all but destroyed by, by this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's horrible. All right. I'll give you another quote from Blackaby quote. Is it important to know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? Yes. Exclamation point. How do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying? I cannot give you a formula. I can tell you. <laughs> It gets better. I can tell you that you will know his voice when he speaks. You must decide that you only want his will. You must dismiss any selfish or fleshly desires of your own. Then as you start to pray, the Spirit of God starts to touch your heart and cause you to pray in the direction of God's will. I cannot give you... This is is all in one paragraph. I cannot give you a formula, he says. But when he speaks, you'll know that he's talking to you. Never mind the fact that the rest of the book is about telling you how to know when he's speaking to you. Right? Right. You'll know it. You'll but here's it. my book, which tells you how to know it. But you'll know <laughs> but it. You'll know you don't it. need my book you to tell you how to know it. Book. No, I'm you'll not know really it. Sure, why you're reading this? Because <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't know it without ever reading the book. Right. But here's the book to tell you how to know it. Right. So in this one sentence, in this one paragraph, I cannot give you a formula. Right. Right. Then he says you must decide that you want to do his will. So that would be step one. Step I think. one. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna, for those of you who can't see this because this is on radio, I'm putting up my fingers to do one two. You must decide that you only want his will. You must dismiss any selfish and fleshly desires of your own. Then you have to start to pray. And as you start to pray, the Spirit of God starts to touch your heart and cause you to pray in the direction of God's will. That's five separate independent steps. Five steps. Yeah. Of knowing. This is what you. This is what I mean by there's no formula. You can't know this, but here's this formula. Right. Horrible. It, 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 it is so mind-numbingly. I, I mean, I don't... This is going to sound bad, but it's just... In, in going through this again, you just wonder how can... How can a thinking person go through this and not see that there are massive, glaring contradictions, in, in, inherent contradictions, even within what Blackaby is saying? I don't know. You tell me because you taught it twice. I don't know. <laughs> I say thank you for bringing up a very painful memory and pouring a lemon, <coughs> giving me a paper cut and pouring lemon juice in it. Are you suggesting that you weren't thinking at the time that you did it? No, I was not thinking at the time. I, I was... Uh, dumb stupid if if i had a if i had a delorean time machine that i could jump into and go back to 1996 i would grab myself and slap myself and burn this book and and 
and ask myself, how, how can you not see the, the tragedy of what you're reading? What I would not do to be able to do that for right. myself. Um, let me see what else. I need another quote here from him. Okay, he is. He says this. How about how God speaks to us through circumstances? I'll pitch this to you and tell me what you think. Quote, I use the word of God as a guide to what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Some people say, Henry, that's not practical. They want to move me away from the Bible and rely on the world's ways or on personal experience. As a Christian disciple, I cannot abandon the guidance I find in the Bible. The Bible is my guide for faith and practice. Close quote. I just, I just <laughs> sometimes you're at a loss for words at how, how self-contradictory he is. I mean, the whole this this whole book, the whole book is about experiences, one experience after another. And he talks about how, what do you say that that people sometimes try to get him away from the Bible and yeah, uh, it, yeah, they they want to move me away from the Bible and rely on the world's ways or on personal experience. His whole book is about personal experiences. <laughs> it is just it's incredible. He's actually promoting. He spends the entire book promoting personal experiences and telling you how to have personal experiences what to do with your personal experiences and how to make sure that your personal experiences are God's revelation to you and what you should do when you get those personal experiences and telling you that if you're not having these personal experiences, you are at in trouble at the very heart of your Christian experience. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, it, it, I, again, I, it goes back to what I said earlier that the, the popularity of this book and all the spinoffs from it and, uh, it is a it is it stands as a sad testimony to how biblically illiterate yeah so much of evangelicalism is today yeah and, and how mystical it is how we are all everybody is their theology is driven by their experiences and i tell people sometimes people come up to me in my seminars say well justin i had this experience my grandmother had this this happened to her how do you explain that you can't exegete an experience Lots of people have experiences. Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, they all have experiences. You can't exegete an experience. You exegete the scriptures. God speaks through the scriptures. Okay. <clears throat> all right, one last quotation I need to, to put up on a tee here for you here. Okay. In chapter 16, titled, God's Invitation Leads to a Crisis of Belief, Blackaby writes this, quote, Our world is not attracted to the Christ we serve because they cannot see him at work. They do not hesitate to attack the Christian position on morality because they have no fear of the God we serve. The world is passing us by because they do not want to get involved in what they see. They're not having an opportunity to see God. Let the world see God at work and he will attract people to himself. Let Christ be lifted up, not in words, but in life. When the world sees these things happening through God's people, that cannot be explained except that God himself has done them. Then the world will be drawn to the God they see. Let the world leaders see the miraculous signs of an all-powerful God, and they, like Nebuchadnezzar, will declare that he is the one true God. The world comes to know God when they see God's nature expressed through his activity. The reason much of the world is not being attracted to Christ and his church is that God's people lack the faith to attempt those things that only God can do. If you or your church are not responding to God and attempting things that only He can accomplish, then you're not exercising faith. If the people in your community are not responding to the gospel like you see in the New Testament, one possible reason is that they're not seeing God in what you are doing as a church. Close quote. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, using his logic, you would have to say, well, okay, why did why did the, the Egyptians saw God part the Red Sea for crying out loud, and yet they didn't. <laughs> They didn't come to know God. Uh, the The Pharisees and the scribes saw Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, raise Lazarus from the dead. What? How? How much more dramatic of a sign could you want than that? They didn't come to. They, they crucified him for. 
I mean, five thousand people saw Jesus multiply bread and fish. Right. And then he preached to them the bread of life discourse in John chapter six, and they walked away from him because he said to them, "You cannot come to me unless the Father who sent me draws you to him to me." And they walked away, and he was left with twelve. And he turned to the twelve and said, "Are you going to leave also?" And they said, "You have the words of life." So at the end of that miraculous sign, they saw him do it. Did they respond to him like that? Absolutely not. No, he he says well, if if. The people in your community are not responding to the gospel like you see in the New Testament. One reason is you're not seeing God doing anything through your church. How did they respond to the gospel in the New Testament? By yeah. rejecting them and stoning them and turning away and laughing and mocking? And only a few believed. Right, right. And, and it's the preaching of the gospel that brings people to salvation, not signs and wonders. The pattern is Jesus for Henry Blackaby. The pattern is Jesus following the works of the Father. This should produce some massive response of revival in the church, and yet at the end of Jesus' three years of ministry, after all that he did, all the miraculous signs that they saw, there's 120 people in a room. Yeah, unreal. All right. So, well, friends, that is Experiencing God. This has been another episode of the Justin Peters program with me, your uh, fill-in host, Jim Osmond. Joining me today was Justin Peters. You should get a program and name it after yourself. I should. That's a good idea. God just spoke to me about it. That's, yeah, through your circumstance, <laughs> through me, through the church, through the Bible, or through prayer. All of the above, man. Oh, man. I feel honored. All right. Well, this has been Experiencing God. We're, we're going to drop in some more uh, book reviews as time permits and as we have opportunity to review some books for your enjoyment. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.